Who remembers the name of the series we've been on? It's been a while since we were doing it, but we've done two of them. We took an extended break. He said, what? That's right. Come get one. Come pick one. I mean, I could ask you which one you he want. Said, what? He said, what? Huh, what? Uh, I don't think so. No, no, no. Did you even raise your hand to answer the question? Did you answer it? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> Who remembers what one of them was about? There's two of them. There's two things I talked about with what Jesus said that was a little bit out there, a little crazy. Who remembers what the two were? What you got? Nevaeh, right? What does that speak of? That's right. Leave the dead, bear their own dead. Which one you want? We got, you don't want one? You want to donate it to somebody? <laughs> They're like, come on. You want one? <laughs> what was the other one? There was one other one. That was actually the first one I did. This other one was pretty heavy, too. It it wasn't, actually. (laughs) I mean, part of the sentence was, but not all of it. What do you think it is? You know, take a shot in the dark? What's that? Oh, Zeke leaving his stuff around. You guys want a hint? Unless you hate. <laughs> he did say that. It's basically what he said. Do you want one? Which one you want? Peanut butter M&Ms are the best. I'm just going to be honest. Those are the winner. All right, that's that. He said, what? Jesus said some pretty crazy stuff, right? He was a little out there in some of the things he said. How many of you, if you had a bunch of people following you, you were super famous, you'd turn around and tell them that? Unless you hate everybody else, you can't follow me. To people that are literally following him all over the place. That's pretty intense, right? Jesus wasn't afraid to speak the truth. He was never afraid to. He was never afraid to say it how it is, even if it meant offending people. He offended people quite a few times. Not by just what he said, but by what he did as well. Here's the thing. I believe it's because Jesus was far more concerned with the people knowing the truth rather than how they feel their emotions, or even what they perceived him to be, how they saw him. He, he offended people often, and the things that he did, people didn't like him. They're like, I don't like that guy, because he's ruining everything that I've been doing and trying to do. That's what the Pharisees said. He was destroying everything they worked so hard for. Jesus wants us to know the truth about him. That's really the biggest thing he wants us to know in regards to the truth, is the truth of who he is. 
the truth about who he is. Who is Jesus? It's not a bag of chips, that's what. <laughs> so this brings me to John chapter 11. That's where I'm going to be starting, uh, Josh. You can get it ready, don't pull it up yet, but John chapter 11, verse 11 through 15 in the ESV. Don't throw it up there quite yet, Josh. But in John chapter 11, we're told about an encounter Jesus has with a man named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was a very close friend of his, and he was incredibly close to him and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. We're told on several times in the Bible that he loved them very much. They were like family to him, pretty much. Now Jesus gets told while he's about a days away from where Lazarus lives, which is Bethlehem. I believe it's Bethlehem. He's about a day away, and it was just in the, the area of Judea, which he left there because people were trying to kill him. And so he leaves to go across the Jordan to the other side of the Jordan River. And he finds out that Lazarus is really, really sick. He's near to death. And there's somebody that gets sent to go tell Jesus, Lazarus is about to die. The one whom you love. Go heal him, please. They basically go there to tell him, we've seen you heal people a lot. Can you come so he doesn't die? Like I said, he's about a day away. And instead of choosing to leave, he waits around two days before he says, all right, let's go. By the time he leaves, Lazarus is dead. He's already died. Like I said, he's about a days away. And when he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's already been in a tomb for four days. And if you remember what I said, I think it was last time, I don't know if it was a couple times ago, that in Jewish culture, when somebody died, you buried them within 24 hours. So they were real quick to do it. And by that point, he had been dead in a tomb. They already had the funeral, everything. It's over. <laughs> in their eyes, they're like, it's done. Lazarus is dead. He chooses to get back up and go after Lazarus after he's stayed around. And here's what he says in John chapter 11, verse 11 through 15. It says, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So by this point, they haven't heard that he's dead yet, but he's Jesus. And he knows, like, Everything God tells him. <laughs> so the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. He'd done that before where he said about somebody who was dead, oh, they're only sleeping. <laughs> but they were actually dead. So he says, now Jesus has spoken plainly. Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I wasn't there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. He said, what? Everyone say, he said, what? 
I mean, think about it. The man that's dead, who Jesus loved him a lot. He was a very close friend of his. He was like family. And all the disciples that were with him knew these people as well. They were great friends with them too. They went over to his house as often as he did, which was a lot. They went there quite often. <laughs> At least as much as we know, it was on several accounts that he, he spent time with them, ate dinner with them. He loved these people. And then he tells them, no, he's dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there for your sake. That's pretty harsh. I know for myself, I would have been like, why? Why are you glad that you weren't there, that you let him die? I mean, think about it. He's, he stayed around. He could have left immediately when the messenger came, and he potentially could have got there before Lazarus died. But he did. Instead, he decides to stick around, let Lazarus die, and then get up and go take care of business. It's crazy. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Now this troubled the disciples and it troubled the people when he gets there. He gets to Lazarus, where he is, and Mary and Martha are there. They're the sisters of Lazarus. And they're like, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Both of them say that. And other people that are there too, they all say these things. They're... I feel like they were a little upset with Jesus. What took you so long? Have you guys ever felt that way? Jesus, what is taking you so long? Why haven't you come back yet? Why haven't you put these fires out yet? Metaphorically, physically, right? Why haven't you done what I prayed for yet? Why have you not done what I asked you to do? I mean, they literally sent a messenger to him and he didn't come in the 24-hour period. So what do they do? They go on with the funeral. They say, forget it. He's not coming. <laughs> it's already been a day. We got we to gotta bury him. So they go forward. Jesus isn't afraid of death. He's not. He stared it in the face. He took power from it. Think about that. In Revelation chapter 1, you can pull this up, Josh. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation here. If Jesus was there, he could have stopped him from dying, but he chooses not to. And it says that it was for them to believe. For his glory to be made known. For them to see God's glory. The interesting thing is, Jesus had already told the disciples, this will not end in death. And the guy was dead when he said that. He's like, this sickness is not going to end in him in death yet he's already died from it. Well, how is that able to be? 
How is that possible? And it's because of who Jesus is. And we see that in Revelation. Chapter 1, 17 and 18, it says, When I saw him, this is John talking about seeing Jesus when he comes to give him what to write, which is the book of Revelation. I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look. You can see me as plain as day. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. You guys are so quiet. He literally said, I hold the keys of death and the grave. Does that not bring you any excitement? I'm no girl. I'm a man. <laughs> Think about it. He's holding the keys of death and the grave. What does that mean? You guys know what keys represent in the Bible. They represent having control, having authority. If somebody gives you the keys to a house, if I were to come up to you and give you the keys to my house right now, I would say, here you go, or the keys to my car might even be more dangerous, right? <laughs> if I were to come up to Ian and say, here you go, here's the key to my car. What am I doing? I'm doing something stupid first. <laughs> I'm giving him control of my vehicle, right? He has control. I'm saying, it's yours. You're in charge. The vehicle does what you tell it to do. It goes where you tell it to go. Jesus is holding the keys of death and the grave. He says, I'm in charge. I conquered death. I mean, think about that concept. Conquering death. I'm in control. I call the shots. If something dies, I say yes or no to it. And that's what he does with Lazarus. Let me read that again. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Jesus wanted to show them he's king of everything. He wanted to show them, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what he ends up telling, I think it was Martha. After he meets her and Lazarus is dead, she tells him, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. But he told the disciples, I'm glad I didn't go there yet, for your sake, so that you would believe. I mean, how incredible would it be to see a man who's been in a tomb four days? I mean, think about it. You go to the funeral, you see them bury the body in the ground. You go on with your week. Four days later, Jesus shows up and says, get up. And the dude's out. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, that's what he did. He tells them, I'm glad. I'm glad I wasn't there. 
Because would it be more incredible just to heal somebody? He'd been doing that, right? Or to literally cause somebody to come up out of a tomb and walk. I think that would be more miraculous. He wanted to show them, I am in charge. I am the king. I'm king of it all. And he wanted them to believe that. And he had to have them see it for themselves. Jesus had been delayed before in going to heal someone. There's an account in, in Mark chapter 5, and I think Tim alluded to it on Sunday. In Mark chapter 5, it's this story about this girl who's the daughter of one of the leaders of the synagogue, which the synagogue, if you don't know what that is, is basically the Jewish church. The Jewish church that they had. I mean, Christianity wasn't a thing yet, right? So he goes, he's walking, and this man comes up to him who's one of the leaders of the synagogue. And he, he says, my, my daughter is incredibly sick. I need you to come heal her. She's about to die. So he's like, all right, where is she? And they get up and go. But there's so many people, because of all the stuff he'd been doing, they're pressing in on him. There's throngs of people, it says, that are just delaying him. And there's this specific woman in Mark 5, 25 through 42. Now, this is a pretty long passage, so I'm just going to read it here. It says, And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. That sounds horrible, doesn't it? And who had suffered such, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather great, grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Now just so you know, for her to be out touching anybody is a big problem. Because in Jewish culture, she's considered unclean at this point because of her bleeding. So she's not even allowed to be there in the first place. But at this point, she's like... I've done everything. Nothing's going to stop me from getting what I need. And so she goes after Jesus. And Jesus being a teacher, it would have been a big problem for him to touch somebody unclean. Anyways. So she says, even if I touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him. Immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? Like I said, there's tons of people pressing around. You guys ever been to a concert? Have you ever been in a huge crowd of people and you're like pressing your way through the crowd to get to the front? That's what it's like. And Jesus is there walking his way through all these people that won't leave him alone, saying, heal me, heal me, heal me. Save me. All these things. He's got compassion for him, but this woman is different. She has this faith about her, this belief that he can do the impossible. And it says that power came out of him, and he says, who touched me? So the disciples, they look at him like, huh? He said, what? <laughs> he did. He said, what? 
Yeah, it says here, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, verse 31, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? What are you talking about? And he looked around to see who had done it. Like, he just ignores the disciples. <laughs> Looks around to see, no, no, you guys don't understand. Somebody touched me. <laughs> like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembled and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Why bother? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he, followed no, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? And the child is not dead, but sleeping. Heard him say that about Lazarus, right? He's falling asleep, we're going to go wake him up. It's an interesting concept of death. And they laughed at him, but he, said, but he put them all outside, and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, which again, touching a dead person is also unclean. So him to do that was wrong, according to the Pharisees and according to the law. For him to touch a dead person would make him ceremonially unclean, which isn't okay. But he does it anyways, and he says, Talitha kumai, I believe is how you say it, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. I love how it says, because she was 12, she got up and started walking. <laughs> All right. So she wasn't 95 and had a bad hip? <laughs> like, what does that mean? John, John has, or, I mean, just the Gospels have such a detail. <laughs> Yes. That she was 12. Yeah, that's interesting. And there's 12 disciples, but only three with him. <laughs> it's just interesting. Interesting thought. They gave so much attention to all the numbers even. Anyways, it says... She got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Jesus had already healed a couple people by the time he comes across Lazarus. I believe some of you here, I, don't, I believe some of you here don't expect God to do a miracle in your life anymore. You, you see, there's death. And you're like, there's nothing you can do here. You're too late, Jesus. If you were going to do something, you should have done it a long time ago. I mean, that's what the people said to, to Jairus, the father of the girl. Jesus is being delayed by all these people coming to him. 
And he says, don't bother him anymore. She's dead. It's too late. There's nothing he can do. There he is. Some of you have given up. I mean, I'm just going to say it. I don't know if you've given up entirely on everything, but there's certain things in your life you said, I'm done with it. It's over. There's no hope for this anymore. It's dead. Say, why bother? My family's not going to change. My school's not going to change. My life can change. Because I've been praying for it to for years, and nothing's happened. Sometimes God's delayed. And sometimes he delays himself. I don't know why all the time. But with Lazarus, that's what he did. He intentionally delayed himself two days to get there after it had been four days. Some of you have dreams you've let die. Or you maybe you didn't even try to let them die, Nevada. Here's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to raise some dead things in your life. He wants to bring things back to life that you have. It might be your family. It might, it might be relationships, friendships that you have. You said, there's no hope for this anymore. I give up. Some of you, it's a relationship with your parents. It's broken. You think there's... there's my father or mother are never going to stop drinking. They're never going to stop doing this. They're never going to stop doing that. They don't give me the time of day. Jesus is saying, I want to breathe life into what's dead. I want to bring back to life what you have lost. Jesus was moved with compassion with Lazarus. It broke his heart that he died. One of the few accounts we see that he actually cried. <laughs> says he was moved with compassion. And then the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. And it comes from in here. He wants to raise things from the dead in your life. He's telling you what he told Jairus after the people came and talked to him. He's saying, don't fear, believe. Don't fear what you've been told. Believe. Don't fear that what the world's been telling you, what the enemy's been telling you. Believe me. Believe that I can do it. Because I've said I can. What is dead in your life requires belief in Christ. To see it change. Let's see what happens with Lazarus. After the disciples get there. John chapter 11, verse 38 through 44. 11, 38 through 44. ESV translation for the rest of it here. It says, John Kinzall. I encourage you guys, go. Yeah. I, it is important. I encourage you guys, go read this story for yourself. I mean, really, read it, 
Look at it carefully and try to put yourself there. The, the story is crazy. I mean, it's, it's nuts. John 11, 38 through 44. So by this point, Jesus has been there. He gets there. He's talked to them. He's talked to Mary. He's talked to Martha. They've both told him, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened, Jesus. If you were here, you could have stopped him from dying. It, I read it, and I see them as like legitimately upset with Jesus. <laughs> like, what took you so long? I know you're only a day away. <laughs> Why has it been four? <laughs> then Jesus deeply moved again. He's moved with compassion. Came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Which I think is amazing because it's, it's symbolic of the tomb that Jesus was in himself. <laughs> it's like a foreshadowing of it almost. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And how many of you would have been like, why? <laughs> why take it away? This is basically what Martha says. It says, Martha, the sister of the dead man. It doesn't even give him a name at this point. <laughs> Just the sister of the dead man. To bring emphasis to that he's dead. I want to make that clear. He said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. You guys ever smelled a dead animal after a few days? It's nasty, right? It's gross. You guys ever smelled a dead person after four days? I haven't. Please tell me you haven't. <laughs> Here, there's a clear understanding here. Lazarus is dead, right? He's dead. There's, she says, there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Come forth. Depends on the translation, John. <laughs> the man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. My question for you guys, what have you given up on in your life that God is saying, it's not over yet? What is it? Think about it. <laughs> Believe Jesus and what he said. What have you given up on? Jesus is saying, I'm not done with it yet. I haven't given up on this. Go sit by Brandon. Yeah. There you go. Problem solved.
<laughs> Here's the thing. I, I believe God has told you guys this. He's told some of you this already. He said, I'm not done with it yet. And you're saying, no, it's over. Some of you have given up on it. You're saying, there's no hope for my school system here. There's no hope for my family. There's no hope for me. You've given up. Guys, I see your life and it breaks my heart sometimes. Bella, listen, please. I'm pouring out my heart to you here. I am. Guys, I, I put myself in this story, I think, like Martha. Listen. Martha watched her brother die. <laughs> Called for somebody to stop it. It didn't happen. He died. And Jesus shows up and she's mad. She says, you're too late. Why did you wait so long? I've been waiting for you. Guys, what in your life has died that Jesus is saying no more? I want to bring life to it. I want to bring life to your family. I want to bring life to you. I want to see the dead rise. Put yourself in Martha's shoes. He says, move the stone. And she says, why bother? He's been dead for days. We did the funeral already. Stop giving me hope. I don't want it. It's over. And he says, no. He says, I haven't given up. Even when you have. I'm not done. To see things brought back to life. Jesus did crazy things, guys. Martha's the one he said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. It's me. You want to see the dead rise? It's through me. And I want to do it now. I don't want to just wait until I come back. I want to change the world. Imagine seeing, I mean, it's like he was a mummy for crying out loud. They move this stone away, and he says, come forth, and somebody comes. You think about that. <laughs> right? I mean, there's this guy that comes forward. He's wrapped in a bunch of cloths. And they're like, there's a stone there. <laughs> Nobody's moved that for days. We're the last ones that touched it. There shouldn't be anybody in there coming out. This is just somebody who's dead. Guys, there was no mistaking it. He came out. Guys, do you want to see God's glory? Do you want to see it? In this story, Jesus says, to see it, you need to believe it. God wants to bring things alive in your life, starting today. He wants you to move the stone away. 
There could have been nothing that happened if they didn't move that stone. If he left the stone there. Think about it. They had to have an act of faith in obedience of doing what he said. Jesus says, move the stone. They could have said, you move it. I'm not moving it, Jesus. But they didn't. They said, all right. I'll move it and plug my nose while I do. <laughs> Jesus is still telling you guys, just believe. Roll the stone. Wait. I want to raise the dead in your life. And here's something I want to warn you guys before, before we're done here. We're just about done. Did you guys know that they tried to kill Lazarus after he raised from the dead? Not his family. There were people that did. If you go read this story for yourself, people were there that were not the family. There were Jews that came from nearby because they heard about all what happened with Lazarus dying. So they come, and there's other people there witnessing this. It's not just the disciples. It's not just Mary and Martha and Lazarus himself who's like, what the, where am I? <laughs> you know, put yourself in Lazarus, it's Jews. That'd be weird. <laughs> but in John 12, verse 9 through 11 in the ESV, it's the next chapter, it says, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus. Like, I heard about Lazarus. I know he died. I saw the funeral happen. And now he's walking around. Whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Right, just think about that. Now literally already died. <laughs> and they're trying to kill him again. This blows my mind. <laughs> they're trying to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews are going away and believing in Jesus. The enemy wants to keep what is dead in your life dead. He wants to keep what died in your life dead. After Jesus breathes life back into it, you see change happen. The enemy is going to fight and fight and fight to kill it again. He's going to fight to see your family fall apart again. He's going to fight to see your school system fall apart again. He's going to fight and fight to try. Mike always goes out on me. But I want to warn you guys of that. After Lazarus was raised from the dead, he had to, like, watch his back. Which I think is just crazy. But the enemy wants to kill things in your life, even what's been resurrected. He wants you to believe that those things are dead. My challenge to you is don't let him. It says in the Bible, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom to devour. 
He's going to try to take over. He's going to try to get it again, whatever it might be. I don't know what it is for you, life. Don't let him. Speak the word of God to him. Tell him, nope. Get out of here, devil. Bait it. <laughs> I was hoping you'd recognize it. <laughs> so let's stand up. We're going to get in groups. I just got one big question for you guys. One big question for your groups. And it's this. What have you given up on in your life that God's saying, it's not over yet? And some of you might be thinking, my life's pretty good. I'm fine. What's dead in your life that you haven't given the time of day to? Some of you here have been speaking death over the city of Butte for years. <laughs> and you wonder why it is the way it is sometimes. Breathe life into it. Ask Jesus to breathe life into it and believe that he will. Amen? So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. God, we thank you that you hold the keys of death and the grave in your hand. It says in your word, grave, where is your power? Death, where is your sting? You've got no hold on me. Lord, I believe that there's things in our lives that you want to breathe life back into so that we would believe your goodness. That you are king, that you are Lord, and nothing else matters but what you say. Lord, we choose to believe what you've said here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.